Hello, friends, and welcome to my Heart to Heart podcast. I am your host, Kathy Jo Hart. I am a Christian speaker and author of God's Chosen Helper. Our focus is to discuss the hot topics of the day and how it relates to the Bible and the lessons through the love of Christ. Our last episode, I talked about the connection between grooming and the trans rights movement as they are both gateways to sexualizing children. Groomers are those who sexualize children at an early age in order to confuse the very foundational philosophy of a child's identity. The trans rights activists, including psychologists and politicians, understands the formative gender years are between the ages of one and a half to three years. This is when children identify genders between a man and a woman and a boy and a girl. Psychologists know that the child's subconscious is being developed through the ages of 8 to 10, so the younger they can indoctrinate, the better. Have we forgotten what two-year-olds are capable of? We cover electrical outlets because they are incapable of understanding cause and effect. Medically and psychologically speaking, we know children's cognitive development limits their ability to understand certain concepts. And this is why children under the age of 16 do not have a driver's license and why children under the age of 18 cannot sign legal documents as they are not yet considered capable of understanding the full implications of their actions. But yet, somehow, medical, corporate, LGBTQ plus activists, educators, and government entities believe two-year-olds can choose their gender, that 13-year-olds can make decisions on taking puberty blockers, and 16-year-olds can mutilate their bodies? No, they can't, and they shouldn't. Today, I wanted to expose one of the leading gender-affirming care psychologists in the United States, as well as the one who is the creator of the gender-affirming model. Her name is Dr. Diane Aronsaft, and she is the Director of Mental Health and Chief Psychologist at the UCSF Benioff Children's Hospital Gender Development Center. She is also a professor at the SCSF School of Medicine, and we all need to keep this person on our radar as her ideology is incredibly dangerous to humanity. Dr. Diane Aronsaft made headline news on August 16, 2023, in an article written by Jeremiah Poff for the Washington Examiner titled, Medical School Professor Says Children Can Be Gender Hybrids Like a Gender Minotaur. Her specialty is pediatric gender affirmative care for transgender and gender expansive patients. What is gender expansive? It is a child who sees themselves beyond the binary norms or expressions. So basically, if you are a girl who likes to play sports, then you would be considered gender expansive. Or if you were a boy who wears princess costumes or an adult male who likes to wear high heels, you are considered gender expansive. And gender expansive is any child or adult. 
They are encouraged to be whatever they feel like at any given time. It encourages the confused to remain unlabeled or fluid. The danger Dr. Aronsaf poses is her use of medical terms that encourage children to step into the fantastical world of make-believe. She has created TQ plus child-friendly terms such as gender smoothies, gender hybrids such as gender Prius and gender Tesla, and gender Minotaur. A Minotaur is a Greek mythological creature that has a body of a man and the head and tail of a bull that like to devour human flesh. But gender Minotaurs are typically someone with one gender on top and another gender on the bottom. More gender terms like proto-gay and proto-transgender youths are those who idealizes the romantic, narcissistic, grandiose fantasy of love, such as seen in the TV show Outlander, classic literature such as Romeo and Juliet, and vampire movies and literature characters found in the Twilight series. They idealize romance and sexual passion. And then there is my personal favorite gender characterization for kids, the gender Tootsie Roll Pops, someone who is hard on the outside and soft on the inside. And then, of course, agender, which is identifying as nothing at all. And at the center of sexuality and sexual orientation identity is the object of desire. Now, this is the epitome of a narcissistic culture and an atheistic dream come true as the self becomes the idol. And this is how insane gender theory has become. Now, there was a story that appeared in an article in the American Psychological Institute called The Introduction to the Gender Affirmative Model, which was written by Dr. Diane Aronsaft. It is a story of a 14-year-old girl who was diagnosed as gender expansive. She had no prior issues, but reported that she felt like an effeminate homosexual boy who liked other boys. And since she was born a girl, and for her to be the effeminate homosexual boy, she needed to become a transgender boy to fulfill her new gender role. So basically, she was a girly girl who liked boys. She is a normal adolescent kid, but in order to fit into the new gender dysphoria world, she had to identify as a transgendered homosexual boy in order to be considered special instead of a regular girl. The goal of Dr. Aaron Saf's gender identity ideology is to force everyone into a gendered role and to blur the lines between a boy and a girl. And this is the problem with the trans ideology. There are no boundaries and no guardrails, and it is spinning out of control. And those who are falling prey to gender ideology 
are the unpopular kids or, or kids who want to be seen and treated as special. They want to be a part of a group instead of being a kid who maybe doesn't fit in. Can you imagine being in a school environment that elevates the transgendered like some brave superhero? As in every superhero movie, there is always a villain. And in the world of transgender-affirming care, the villains are the parents. This is the perfect example of a horror movie in the making. The monsters and mad scientists method used in writing horror genres. The mad scientists are the doctors who are currently influencing humanity. Think Frankenstein. And their targets? Children. And more specifically, teenage girls who are more prone to depression and anxiety. As Dr. Jordan Peterson stated in many of his podcasts, it affects creative people more than any other group. It is also the trans activist parent who will put their sons into dresses, who take their children to drag shows and gay pride parades to celebrate their own narcissistic need of being socially accepted and politically affirmed. But here are the facts about transgenderism. It is 90% temporary. It cannot be identified through any physical testing such as MRIs, genetics, or blood tests. There are no trans identity markers within the body at all. It is 100% emotion that is treated through social transitions by wearing opposite gender clothing. Through the use of puberty blockers, which are powerful hormones that interferes with the pituitary gland in the brain, it is cross-sex hormones and surgical modifications with very high risk factors. And here's the thing. Since the body is healthy, puberty blockers stop the time-dependent stages of human development. There is no secondary puberty. Think about that. There are complications and side effects such as early onset osteoporosis. It affects brain development and brain function and infertility. And doctors are discovering these treatments are mostly irreversible. And the saddest part of all of this is that the majority of these kids will not experience sexual enjoyment as adults. There are so many health and psychological problems that are being ignored, and one day they will be forced to deal with their mental health issues, and remorse shouldn't be one of them. Now, the most important aspect of the entire movement is this. Children cannot give legitimate consent. For 90% of these kids... They will become devastated adults with chronic health problems and more than likely an early death. There has been no rigorous research, no controlled studies. And the aggravating thing is, it is political correctness and corrupt organizations driving this agenda. It has never been about the well-being of children. It never has, nor will it be. 
Dr. Jordan Peterson refers to the trans movement as a psychological epidemic. And he explains that over the past 300 years, psychologists have followed psychological epidemics. It is a common occurrence driven by fear. And usually this type of epidemic, it lasts for a while and then goes away when confronted with truth. Bulimia, self-cutting, anorexia is considered a psychological epidemic. It starts with one and spreads like a social contagion. That is until the public becomes skeptical and then it goes away. The June bug epidemic is an example of social contagion. In June of 1962, a dozen workers in a textile factory came down with the same illness. They developed rashes, numbness in the hands and feet, and nausea. They believed the factory was infected with some sort of toxic insect, and it had somehow bitten the workers, and it caused mass hysteria as the unknown disease went from one worker to another. But doctors soon discovered there was nothing physically wrong with the workers. They had psychologically induced these symptoms. And a study in 1981 by Friedman and Riggio found that certain people are more prone to emotional contagion processes. As an example, a movie is funnier with a room full of moviegoers. And the study showed emotionally expressive individuals were able to infect the emotions and moods of others. Now, there are six types of psychological contagions that exist in our society. Number one is behavior contagions, such as the fad of the Rubik's Cube craze in the 1970s. And more recently, in 2014, there was the Ice Bucket Challenge, and hundreds of thousands of people completed the challenge. And number two is the self-harm contagion, such as the deliberate act of self-cutting, eating disorders of anorexia and bulimia. Number three is hysterical contagion, such as the June bug incident. And number four is aggression contagion, such as riots and the so-called peaceful protests in 2020 that ended with deaths and destroyed cities. It's the sporting event celebrations that sets cars on fire and the smash and grab robberies. Number five is the rule violation contagions that are best described with our driving behavior. Have you noticed that the traffic follows the fastest car on the expressway? We slow down only when we see the presence of police. And number six, the financial contagion, such as what happened with the run on the banks in 1929. I guess you would add the run on toilet paper during the pandemic as an example of financial contagions. And all are based on influence and manipulated emotions. And this is the psychological phenomenon of social influence. It involves behavior, emotions, or conditions spreading spontaneously through a group. But the first contagion that drives all is fear. And we saw this with the COVID-19 pandemic. It began with the fear of a virus. 
it mutated into a moral crusade of vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. Those who questioned the pandemic were condemned and scapegoated. There was a rise in mental health disorders, changed lifestyle habits, depression, anxiety, economic difficulties, financial loss, instability, aggression, intensity of psychological disorders, social disconnection, loneliness, and suicide, among other distresses. This was the worst social experiment in recent history, and the fallout continues with rapid onset of many disorders affecting children and young adults. There is still uncertainty as published reports of the irreversible damages caused by the vaccine has killed children and many young athletes. And this information continues to unfold, warning all of us to distrust those who are trying to take away our liberties and freedoms in the name of safety. And the transgender movement is a part of this mental health fallout. But what COVID-19 proved was the rapid decline of resistance. We witnessed the collapse of many institutions, churches, hospitals, schools, police departments, food processing plants, and we are still feeling the impact of the disrupted supply chain. I mean, everything changed and everything stopped. And we, the people, folded like a house of cards. And this was the perfect opportunity for nefarious leaders to implement the Great Reset. Please listen to previous episodes to learn more about the Great Reset, ESG, the UN, and the World Economic Forum. And this is the difference between the psychological epidemics of the past and where we find ourselves today. The transgender push is being driven by the billionaires who are investing millions of dollars to create biomedical companies. It's the pharmaceutical lobbyists and the largest LGBTQ plus lobbyists in the world who are all involved in creating the policies and practices in government and corporations. It is the constant barrage of the sky is falling scenarios by the climate activists who are driving the ESG scoring system. It is all connected. The elites, the lobbyists, the world leaders are all combining their efforts to overwhelm the people by creating fear, confusion, and division to accomplish one goal. It is the scenario that they wanted, and some believe they created, for the Great Reset. It's the centralized control over the climate agenda, the financial systems, the economies, social credit scores, 15-minute cities, and more. And the thing is, they aren't even trying to hide it anymore. Their plans are everywhere on the internet. Just look. Their goal is power. They want to control all lives, all genders, all countries, all morals, and all values. And they are using children to destroy the very fabric of our society. And as Victor Davis Hansen once said, what we are witnessing is a collapse of our institutions so they can replace 
and become the power brokers. Now in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 33 warns us about the end result of stirring up anger, and in this case, through the use of fear. For as churning cream produces butter, and as twisting the nose produces blood, so stirring up anger produces strife. And this is exactly what all politicians and activists are doing. They are overwhelming society with strife in all areas of our lives. But this is what happens in a godless society. The elimination of church expanded the power of the state. And when God was removed from the public square beginning in the 1960s, politics became the new religion. And I wrote about the unbalanced power of the state and the culture war, science, and godless societies in my book, God's Chosen Helper, which is available for sale on Amazon. And our society is consumed by fear. Right now, we are just like the circus elephant who has been held captive by a rope. Our rope is our emotions causing anxiety and depression. We are allowing fear to dictate our reactions and responses. The goal of fear is to make us feel as though we are helpless, but we are not helpless. We need to step away from man's legalization of sin and start fighting back. We all need to declare our commitment to God to draw a line in the sand and stand firm against the evils of sin, to stand in unity with God and with other godly people. We need to become leaders in our communities and our churches and to provide our children with examples of God's love, redemption, and salvation. And instead of allowing people like Dr. Aaron Saff to steal the identity of our children, we need to go back to the basics of who God uniquely created us to be. We must reject the self-righteous justification of sin and pray for those who reject God. Pray for God's truth. Pray for the scales to be removed from our eyes and for our hearts to yearn for God. Our strength is in God. Our strength is in the unity of God's word. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. How many realize the power the Holy Spirit has that lives inside of every Christian? In Philippians chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Well, let's take a look at some of the victories being achieved by parents who had the courage to fight back. And when parents begin to unite and fight back, the parents are going to win. A mom named Jessica Conan won a landmark case against a school district in the state of California that socially transitioned her daughter to become a boy without her knowledge. 
with the help of the Center of American Liberty, Jessica won and was awarded $100,000. A Canadian father who was arrested, jailed, and fined $30,000 for misgendering his daughter landed a huge win in the British Columbia Court of Appeal. Now, this dad, who was featured anonymously in the documentary, What is a Woman?, took legal action after a Canadian children's hospital was going to inject his 13-year-old daughter with testosterone. Although the dad did not give his consent, the hospital used a British Columbia law called the Infants Act to permit the 13-year-old to consent to her own treatment. The court sided with the hospital and barred the dad from publicly misgendering his own daughter as his daughter. The dad did not comply with the court order of remaining silent and was charged with family violence. He was arrested and held in solitary confinement for two months. And even then, the judge wanted to keep this dad in jail for an additional four months when the higher court interceded. And please note, this dad is not out of the woods yet. There is a chance this ruling will be appealed to the Canadian Supreme Court. And we need to pray for Robert Hoogland as his finances are being spent on legal bills and his family unit has been completely destroyed. The last contact he had with his daughter was in 2019. A California mom named Erin Friday, has fought and won her personal battle to save her daughter. And this mom has a happier ending than most families battling school districts and legal systems. Her story begins with her child's comprehensive sex class in junior high. As she explained it, the school hired a third-party organization to teach sexuality and gender. They used really cool memes and labels to encourage gender identity. The message being taught was that it was no longer cool to be a normal kid. They introduced a gender identity menu with limitless genders. The question posed to each kid was, who am I on the gender menu? And these kids went from one label to another. And her daughter began keeping secret social media accounts. Her school allowed her and other kids to create their new names and pronouns. They taught the kids that their homes were not safe spaces. So the school became their safe space. And her daughter entered a world of depression. Her personality changes were almost immediate. She became angry and mean. Her style became more gothic and demonic. Now, Erin decided to reach out to a psychologist for help and realized when it was almost too late that this was a gender-affirming psychologist who would gaslight her in questioning how her children were being raised. Then this defiant and tenacious mom took matters into her own hands and withdrew her daughter from public school and placed her in a private school. Once schools were changed, her friends changed too, and for the better. 
Aaron became an activist for parents and became a leader in a parents' network group called Our Duty. And there are chapters around the world. So if you are a parent with a trans child, please go to Our Duty to find a group near you. Aaron stated the key to recapturing your child is one, take away their phone. She said, take the hate. It is worth it to save your child. Number two, pay attention to who their friends are. Number three, get out of the public school system if you can. Find a private school that aligns with your values. Number four, camps. Find camps that develop self-confidence. Number five, protest, protest, protest. Become vocal. And number six, educate your child and let your child know you do not support gender propaganda. And number seven, remove anime. There is apparently a link between anime and porn as these are a huge component to this movement. And number eight, vet therapists. Find one that aligns with your values. Number nine, develop simple fact sheets. Many, many people who support trans ideology only know the propaganda talking points. Know the facts. And number 10, know the school curriculum. Read the books. Go to school assemblies. Meet the teachers. Pay attention to the room decor that has the posters and keep an eye on the environment. And 11, look at your child's school assignments. 12, go to the school board meetings. 13, reinforce how amazing the human body is. Point out there are only two sexes. Help your child find a polite way to respond to the pressures of gender ideologies. 14, say no to all school surveys. 15, be in the know of everything your child is being exposed to. And 16, and this is important too, give your child an out. Let them know they can come back. Let them know they are loved. And 17, remove the phone. <laughs> this is so important that it is ranked first and last. I spoke about non-smartphones in the past, but there is also a software or app that is available that you can put on your child's phone that tracks keystrokes, and I, I believe it's called The Switch. Our Duty was formed in 2018 by Keith Jordan in the UK and has chapters in Australia, Canada, eastern half of the US, and western half of the US. Go to www.ourduty.group to learn more. We need to stop falling for the lie of identity politics. These are the sins of the flesh. Christians should not support the trans ideology as this is a satanic movement. And remember that when Jesus sat with sinners, he did not approve or support their sins. And as Christians, we are to love with the goal of leading all sinners to Christ. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 21, 
It says, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we know how the devil loves to live in our emotions, and nothing gives the devil greater joy than to keep us confined in anger, anxiety, and depression. In the atheistic, humanistic world of subjective feelings, the devil will entice you to trust the wrong person and to make wrong decisions all in order to keep you confused, disoriented, and to blind you from the truth. It all begins with your relationship with God. Are your core values aligned with the Word of God? Not the church of religion where worldview opinions influence the interpretation of the Word of God. And we must remember that identity confusion results from when God is removed from foundational values, which influences and affects our self-value. And as parents, it is important to understand the meaning of honor your father and mother found in Colossians chapter 3, verses 20 to 21. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Another way to look at this verse is to understand God commands parents to live together in the body of Christ and to reflect the character of Christ. When this verse says children are to obey their parents in everything and parents are not to embitter your children or they will become discouraged, it means obedience is never to be outside of Christ. Parents are to be the role models to show their children how to love, honor, and serve God. The conclusions for husbands, wives, and children is Christ is to be the standard and Lord of the entire family. So the question I ask you is this, is Christ the standard and Lord of your family? This is a great place to start rebuilding your family foundation. You cannot fight against the devil on your own. It is impossible. The mind cannot heal itself. There is no magic pill that can defeat the devil. There is no magic pill or mystical mythology to make you into something else. There is only one way to fight against this evil, and that begins on our knees in prayer. The first step in fighting against the power of politics is to identify their end goal of one world order. Once you are aware of their psychological epidemic tactics, you will be better prepared to fight against it. It takes God, it takes unity and courage and emotional strength to overcome the evils in this world, and we need to do it now. Remember, the devil is a liar, and evil always claims that the real truth is evil. So stay strong and steadfast. Resist the power and temptation of the worldly systems. 
And as we end this podcast episode, I leave you with this verse found in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will bless you with his blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.